Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. Well, it is a great joy and a privilege for me to be uh, with you again. Some of you had been here last week, and some of you have come for the first time. And the good news for the people who came for the first time today is that I won't be coming back again next week. And uh, the people who came last week and may come back again here, the good news is this is your last week with me. So that's a good thing. And uh, it's always a joy and a privilege to share Christ, uh, to live for him, to glorify his name. is the greatest privilege in every one of our life. And uh, I have been... Uh, we're working for the Lord for the last 42 years in my life. I came into the ministry when I was 40, when I was 21 years old. And uh, for the last 42 years, I served Jesus Christ. And um, it's always a privilege for me uh, to, to love God and work for him, especially in a nation like India. And India is a little bit different to, to your country because India is a pretty hostile nation against Christianity. And uh, we have lots of persecutions in my country. And uh, we have uh, uh, so many oppositions. It's very difficult. It is very difficult for us to, to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ in that nation. And, uh, and it's a very hardship like pastors uh, living and working in India. They go through lots of pressures and, and hardship. Their life is uh, very hard. Their lifestyle is like uh, going without and having nothing for themselves and so many uh, physical abuses against them from the opponent people of the gospel. And in spite of all that, that people do uh, serve the Lord. Amen. And uh, God has called me, as I said, uh, in 1974. I, I was a chemist. I was working for a pharmaceutical company called Siba Gaigi. And uh, pretty good job, pretty good future. And in spite of all that, one day the Lord called me for the ministry. And God gave me a vision uh, to evangelize the nation of India. I didn't have a clue what my country looked like. Because most of the time you live in a part of a country and you think that is your nation. And, uh, and unbeknown to me that uh, my country is a land of diversity. And we speak 22 major languages, uh, like English. It's not a dialect, because we have got over 1,000 dialects in my country. And um, uh, as I said, we're hostile against Christianity. So many persecutions against the gospel and the, and the ministers. Uh, I've been beaten up several times. Uh, I've been left in the bush unconscious. They thought that I was dead. But I don't die that easy, because you can only die once. So because of that, you should be pretty picky and choosy. 
You cannot just die for everybody's fancy. And uh, so I always used to say, you can put some bruises on my body. You can break a bone here or there. So that's about it all. As far as my life is concerned, it is pretty much safe in God's hands. And I believe with all my heart that uh, <clears throat> I will be here in this world as long as God wants me to be here. And nobody will touch my life. And one day, God uh, might ask me and say, well, after all, you didn't do a bad job. Uh, thank you very much. Come home. If God will ever say that to me, well, I promise you that I will never ask for an extension. You know, who wants to hang around this lousy place anyway? <laughs> Amen? So that's what it is. And not only me, that uh, my pastors go through challenges and and physical abuse almost daily. Some of them have got permanent black eyes because they don't get enough time to heal. Before that, they're beaten up again. And uh, you will not want to be there unless you have a total dedication and total commitment for the sake of the gospel. Amen? So that is what I have seen among my, my pastors whom I have trained up and sent them into the work. And... Uh, when God spoke to me, India had about 620 million people. And, uh, and today we have got 1.3 billion people. You know, one-fifth of the world's population live in the nation of India. And um, I didn't know any of these things when the Lord called me. I said, all right, okay, let's do it. And uh, I remember, didn't know ministry, I didn't know how to preach. I had no idea what I'm supposed to do, but I did know that God called me. And uh, didn't have a penny in my pocket, so I couldn't have any crusades or, or anything like that. So I, I just had, uh, uh, you want to talk to me? Uh, I'm doing that. Yeah, but unfortunately, I made a commitment I'll preach something from God's word also. So I'll try to do both. Okay? And you all can hear me? I'm not asking you all can understand me. Well, that's the question that's a bit too late, right? So whatever I speak, that's what you get. And uh, I, as you know that I'm not an American, and my pronunciation could be different, and um, hard to understand, well, put up with it. If you can understand 25% of what I'm saying, you're doing well. Other 75% doesn't mean much, so it's okay. All right? And uh, so that is a nation. We started off, and I had street meetings, preaching the gospel and, and uh, calling out to the people for prayer. As I said, I didn't know much to... To, to talk about from the Bible. So I called the people for miracles. I said, come over, I'll pray for the sick people. And right, it was right on the roadside. I saw a miraculous thing happen. I saw the blind eyes open. I saw the lame walk. I saw demons coming out of the people. Uh, people came running to the altar to give their hearts to the Lord. And I baptized them. And that's how I started my first church. And that was about uh, uh, 41 years ago. And today, 
I kept on doing the same. I still do it because I believe, I'm a very ardent believer of, of doing anything that is working, don't change it. And uh, if it doesn't work, change it again and try something else. But whatever I've been doing, it works. So I still do the same old thing. And uh, leading people to the Lord, seeing healings and deliverance in every meeting. You know, all kinds of amazing things God is doing. And uh, it is always comes with a big price. And uh, your dedication, your sacrifice, your commitment, uh, that's what matters to the people. And uh, today I've got 4,000 100 churches right across the nation of India uh, in the last 42 years. And uh, I have 17 orphanages. I look after hundreds of orphan children. Uh, I run about 14 Bible colleges. And uh, I run about 65 sewing schools for destitute women. Every given day, a thousand women are taught to sew, and uh, some other poor people are given a sewing machine as a gift so that they can make a living for themselves. And uh, I do so many other things, and, and God has been so good to us. And one of the uh, big challenges we have in India, as you know, India is one of the poorest nations in the world, though we have got some computer things and all going on in the cities of my country. Uh, more than 900 million people live in the villages, and many of them living in poverty, many of them in big struggles. And we work among them. And uh, one of the things I try to do is we try to raise support for, uh, for supporting our pastors in India. So I challenge the people in this country, pastors, churches, I tell them, if you can give me $50 a month, I can support a pastor and family in India. If I get a $30 a month, I can support an orphan in India. And uh, that's one of the biggest challenges we have. And uh, when I send a pastor to look after a church, I try to buy him a bicycle. He's not asking for a car. He's not looking for a motorcycle. He's just asking for a bicycle. It costs about $100 to buy a bicycle for the pastors in India. And all the other needs continue on. And God has been so good to us. We have grown thus far. And God continues to help us. As you heard from Pastor Murrow, this church here is a very ardent supporter of our ministry. And also several individual people have come up and they sponsor our pastors, our, our orphan children, buy bicycles, and do all kinds of stuff. Well, I do have some brochures with me here. Uh, Sister Mary Bramer is there. Uh, there she's sitting there. She's waving her hand to us. Can you see her there? There she is. There's Pastor Merle's wife. She has got some brochures. And if you want to support a pastor, there's a photograph waiting for you. You can do something. If you wanted to do, that will be fine. And pray for the nation of India. Well, I got a little bit of time I needed to preach because unfortunately, I gave them a, a topic that I will speak. And uh, I, wish, I wish that I could be here telling all stories which I like, you know, about the nation of India and the work. 
and all the miracles and healings and deliverance that we have seen. But, so let me stick to my commitment. I want to share with you, if you would have seen uh, the brochure, uh, the bulletin this Sunday, last Sunday it would have said, uh, I'm going to speak on two subjects, which I have done one last uh, Wednesday, and I'm going to do the, the last one that I have committed that I'll do, which is uh, Jesus um, dealing with two generations. So that is what the message for me today. So if you wanted to look at me with your Bible, it is in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and I want to read a couple of verses, and I want to run it quickly, what the Lord has put in my heart, a message for you. Amen. Mark chapter 5. I will read verse 34. It says, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And then other one is in, in verse 41. It said, Then he took the child by the hand, and he said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, arise. Well, Mark chapter 5 speaks about three miracles that Jesus has done. So the story begins in the chapter that Jesus was going through the land of the Gatherings. And there he happened to meet with a man who was possessed with 6,000 demons. You know, that's a lot of demons in one person's life. It is called legion, which means 6,000. You know, in India, we cast out a lot of demons. Because it is an idol-worshipping country, lots of demon activities there. So people are possessed with demons. So we cast out demons all the time. And the largest number of demons I have cast out in my ministry was 21. 21 demons from one person. The demon will name itself. I'm so-and-so, you cast them out, and the other one so-and-so, until it's all cleaned up. And you say, okay, now you come into your life to the Lord and go on with life. So that's the largest number of demons I've cast out. I've never come across legion, which is 6,000 demons. But I always used to think if I ever come across one, I will have a go and see what happens. You know, because uh, you never know. So Jesus commanded these demons to come out. And uh, they requested they should be sent to the, a bunch of swine, pigs over there. And Jesus said, fine, I don't care about pigs, you can go. So 6,000 demons got into 2,000 pigs and they ran down and they jumped into the sea and they were all drowned. And the people who were looking after went back and told the leaders of the village there's a problem here. A man came and he set the man free who was in the tomb and now we lost all our pigs. So they came back and they worked out the the profit and the loss that was made by this man. And then they realized, they felt that the loss was greater than the profit. What is the profit? To them, uh, a mental case, uh, you know, a man, you know, who was just no good in his mind, he set free. And the loss is 2,000 pigs. So they said, this is not a good deal, we wanted to leave. So Jesus got under the boat, and he came to the other side. That's where our story begins. So here the story is as Jesus got out of the boat, there was a man. 
is, is a ruler of the synagogue and his name is Jairus. And what is his problem? His problem is he has got a 12-year-old daughter who has been sick for quite some time and now she is at the point of death. Tried everything, went to every doctor's, spent all the money and nothing helped. And now she is going to die. And at these last moments, he heard from someone that there is a man by name Jesus. If you could go and find him, and if he could come to your house, he is well and able to heal your daughter from your sickness. So now this man is in search of finding this, this man by name Jesus. And as he was going along, finally he found him as he got out of the boat from the land of Gatherings, and Jairus came and fell at his feet and told him the story of his daughter dying and requesting him to come and heal her. And Jesus said, I'll go with you. So Jesus started his journey with Jairus towards the house. You know, he was happy that Jesus was going with him. And now his only thing is that he must get Jesus to the house before anything would happen to the child. So he wants to push him and he wants to drag him. So he wants to get him as quick as possible. But the only problem was Jesus was never alone. He was always with a multitude of people. People for various reasons. You know, there's a bunch of people who have been healed already. They are following him because they are so grateful. And there's a great number of people who want to be healed are following him. And then, of course, a bunch of people have eaten from the five loaves of bread and two fishes. They are after him for another free lunch. And then the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are, who are looking to find fault with him. And then, of course, the faithful disciples and the people who loved him. So all these various people make a large crowd. And now Jairus next to him. And they are on the way to the house to help and heal this child. And as they were going along, we see another story coming and joining in. So that is a story that begins from verse 24. And it said that there was a certain woman who was having an issue of blood for 12 long years. Same problem like the child. She has gone through every doctor's, had been through every, everywhere, every hospital. She has spent all her money. And instead of getting better, she became worse. And she has come to a place where there's nobody could heal her. Her life is almost at its wit's end. And she didn't have any clue what to do. At that time, she heard from someone, there is a man by name Jesus. And if you could only find him, then he will be able to heal you from the sickness that you have that nobody else is able to heal. Now she is in the search and the pursuit of this man. And she found him, the same case. She was thinking like, when I go and meet with him, she had a plan that was, I'll go and talk to him and, and I'll tell him about my problems and I will ask him to lay hands on me and I'll ask him to heal me. So that was the plan that she was having. But when she came, 
she realized that there is a multitude and the so-called Jesus can't be found uh, except everybody was saying he's somewhere in the middle. And everybody's pressing on. Everybody's trying to get to Jesus Christ. And this woman, as you can understand, she's not very healthy. She's frail. She's having an issue of blood for 12 long years. And there she is trying to push on to get to this Jesus Christ. As she found this situation, she has to change her plan. And instead of getting a private audience, she realized that she decided that I don't want that. It's not going to happen. And then see, she says, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. Amen. I want you to look at this woman for a few moments before I move on. When you look at her, it seems like this. she just had a physical problem, an issue of blood. That's how it looks like. But I wanted to know that this woman not just had a physical problem, she had much more than a physical problem. Because number one, when she started to have this, this issue of blood, she started to wonder, well, this is not more than normal. Well, it'll stop. She waits for a few days. And he waits for a few, he's not stopping. And suddenly she realizes, this is not a normal problem that I'm having. I have a sickness. There's a problem that I'm having. So you see that when she was having this trouble, not only that she's having a physical sickness of the issue of blood, there is something that is attached to it. The reason is, in the Old Testament, it says if you are having an issue of blood, then you are an unclean person. You cannot touch anyone. You cannot get closer to anyone. You cannot eat with anyone. And that is like setting you aside as a person to live a lonely life. So when she had this one, and when she started to have, realize this is a sickness and not just a normal problem, suddenly the, the physical ailment has led her to an emotional problem. She, her mind is going bizarre. She's wondering, why, what, what is happening to me? My life is changing, and my whole life is going to be in a mess if this does not stop. And I can understand she goes and tells her husband that she's having a problem, and now they're taking her to the doctors, and she's going on from doctor to doctor, you know, getting all these kind of medicines, and anything that she was going through was not helping her. So I wanted to see the physical problem moved her on to an emotional problem. And number three, as I said, this sickness will push you out into a lonely life, away from everyone, including your loved ones. She can't be with her husband anymore. She can't be with her children anymore. Nobody will sit and eat with her anymore. There she was living a lonely life, eating alone, sleeping alone. They can't touch anyone. So now she has come to a place that she's having a relationship problem. That's number three. And the fourth one, of course, it says she spent all her money. When the Bible says all, that is all. That doesn't mean that you tucked a little bit of money on the side. No. When it says you spend all the money, you have lost all your money. 
She has become kind of a bankrupted person. So the fourth problem is she's having a financial problem. And there is one more problem, which is, a, which is maybe the most horrible thing out of all these things is like one day he, she's going with her husband to the synagogue to pray. And her husband is telling the priest that his wife is having this problem of the issue of blood. And the priest turns around as a lady, you should know better. And that kind of sickness, you cannot come into the presence of God. You cannot enter into the synagogue. So get out, get back. And he says, sir, you can come in. But she cannot come in. And she has been pushed out of the synagogue because of the unclean, the curse that has come upon her in the form of this sickness. And that is a fifth problem, which is a spiritual problem. So I want to portray before you a person, not just a physical sickness, but somebody who is having every kind of problem that you and I could have. And that is a person in the type of this woman, in the picture. And she's the one who is pressing on, wanting to be healed because nobody else was able to help her. And she pressed on, and the Bible says she moved on and on, pushed back, people getting upset with her, people getting angry with her because everybody's wanting to get to Jesus. Everybody's in some kind of need. But she pressed and pressed on and pressed on and finally she came and touched the hem of his garment and the moment she touched it, the, the power of God, Jesus, came upon her and she was immediately healed. Amen? And Jesus turned around and he said, who touched me? What does that mean? You know, the disciples said, don't ask stupid questions like that. Everybody is touching you. Why are you asking that kind of a question? But Jesus was looking for one person who touched him with a touch of faith. She decided in her heart, if I could only touch this man, I shall be healed. And the Bible says she, he was looking for that woman. Amen. It is not something that happened without the knowledge of Jesus. Like she comes and touches him of the garment and, oh, Jesus said, what happened? Oh, my, my power went. No. It didn't happen without his knowledge. He knew she was coming. And he was calling her out in his spirit. Don't go back. Don't worry about the people pushing you and getting upset with you. Keep on pressing on. Keep on pressing on. Because I'm waiting for you. Just like you decided. All you need to do is touch my hem of the garment. And you will be healed. And he healed her. Amen. And he says, daughter, be happy, go home. And when all these things were happening, Jairus was standing next to him. And when he saw this healing taking place, till that time he only heard about the healing power of Jesus Christ. But now he's seeing before his eyes that this man can heal. Man, he didn't even touch her. He didn't even pray for her. Just by the touch of the hem of the garment, if this woman can be healed, I got the right man. All I need to do is get him to my house. Amen? And the house is not too far. And he's trying to push him to get close to the house. And as they got closer, that somebody came from the house and gave him the only message that he didn't want to hear. That was they came and whispered in his ears, Hey, sorry, it's too late. She's gone. Your daughter is dead. You don't need to trouble 
your master anymore. Amen. You know, when you and I are facing situations in our life, when you think that it goes beyond us, we start to feel that it is too late in our life. Jesus looked at him and he heard what the people said and he says to him, hey, you don't be afraid. Don't listen to all those kind of stuff. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Hang on with me. Because we are going to do it together. Friends, I want you to know when God is involved, when Jesus Christ is there walking with you, no matter what the world is saying to you, and me, it does not matter. Because that's not the one that is going to do the job. They will tell you, the world will tell you, your people will say, don't waste your time, it is too late. Nobody can help you. You're beyond help. When they say that thing, don't believe that because I want you to know in God's plan, there is never at a time that anything is too late. Amen? Our God is always on time. Amen? He's never late. And he puts his arms around him and he said, come on, walk with me into your house. Very interesting thing, you know. He started his journey from the, from the boat. And he started walking with Jesus, walking next to him. But the sad thing is, he walked next to Jesus, but in his heart, he was not walking with Jesus. He was still worried. He was just lost in his problems, lost in his worries. And he did not realize the guy who is walking next to him, he's the answer. He's the deliverer. He's the healer. He did not realize and now he's standing before the house. He's in a heartbroken, tears coming down his, his eyes. And now Jesus is putting his arms around him and he's saying to him, you know, you have been kind of walking with me, but you are not walking with me. But now I want you to walk with me, really. Let's walk together into your problem. Amen? Friends, ask yourself, how many times that you, you feel that you're with Jesus, walking with him, but we are not walking. We are, we are lost in our problems. You know, we don't even realize that Jesus Christ was just there. Amen? And now Jesus says, time for you to walk with me, a real walk with me. Amen? And they walked together and the people were crying and saying how horrible it was. And the girl was so wonderful and she's great and now she's dead. She's dead. They're crying. You know, they, these people are hired. You know, they're, they're called to cry. They're, they're, they're professional wailing people. And they will do anything for you for money. And there they are crying over this problem. And they're saying that she's dead. She's dead. And Jesus makes an amazing statement. And he turns around and he says, shut up. And he says, she's not dead, but she's sleeping. Well, the question is, who is right and who is wrong? Didn't they not check the child properly? Is the life is still there? Or Jesus is trying to tell a lie and, and tell the people to believe something. I mean, both the things were right. What Jesus was saying was, she's not dead, but she's sleeping. You know, there are two words in English. One word is what you call the fact. Fact is something that is governed by the five senses we have. You know, the touch, the smell, the taste, the hearing. The, you know, the five senses. And it is governed by that. But there is another word which is called the truth. And Pilate said to Jesus, what is truth? And Jesus said, I am the truth. 
I am the way and I am the life. And he said, I am the one. So according to the fact, she is dead. But according to the truth, she's just sleeping because this is on his way to wake her up in a minute. Amen? She is not dead. She is sleeping. Friends, there is something that is beyond the facts, which is the truth, which is governed by the faith. It goes beyond our five senses because it is God who is involved in that. And it is God who makes it to happen. He walks in there, took his mother, father and mother and Peter and James and John, walked into the room and he held his hand and he said, Talitha kumi, which means the little girl, rise up. And immediately she rose up and uh, he said, give her something to eat. She hasn't eaten for a while. Well, that's the end of the story, right? Now I wanted to share my message. Is that okay? I'm just closing my Bible so that you can feel good so that, you know, I can, I might finish quickly because I, I have closed my Bible. And I was not looking at it much, but it'll help. So my, what is my message? I want to show you tonight that the woman with an issue of blood is the type of the older generation. And the girl who was dying and dead is the type of the new generation. Now, in the middle of these two generations, Jesus Christ is there. And my message was that Jesus, the both the generations need Jesus Christ. And I want to show you a few things that you might not have noticed, but I might just bring it to you to your remembrance. How many of you realize that the woman was having an issue of blood for 12 years, and the girl who died was 12 years old? Have you ever noticed that? Did you? Or just, just listening today? So, because I've never been to a Bible college, right? So I just learned just by reading and I'm thinking, why, why this 12 and 12? Is there anything? So that's how I study. Anyway, so I'm looking at this. Is it just a strange coincidence? Or is it trying to give me a message? Here is a woman with an issue of blood, 12 years. And here is a child, 12 years old. And I want to take you back 12 years before. And what happened? And there, 12 years ago, you see a woman who is healthy and having a good life, a good wife, a good mother, a friends of many, enjoying God's presence, everything going on well. And there is a woman. And here, a little baby girl was born. That was 12 years ago. And as the time passed by, here this woman falls sick, starting to have an issue of blood. It started off slowly, and it starts growing, and it's getting worse and worse and worse, and it's coming to 12 years, and the same thing is a child, healthy, growing along, and she falls sick. And now she's getting on to the place where she's at the point of death, and she died. So we see two generations started off healthy, there's nothing wrong with them. But they, in the course of their life, things have gone wrong. Now they're sick. You're listening to me? You know, I'm looking at this woman 
Many of us here will be able to be able to uh, compare ourselves to something that this woman is going through. We may not have an issue of blood, but there is emotional problem that you and I are facing. I'm talking to the Christians. I'm not talking to the people out on the street. You know, we have been being a Christian for so many years, here we are going through emotional problems. How many of us are having a relationship problem? How many of us are having financial problem? How many of us are having a spiritual problem? You know, walk with God. There's struggle in our relationship with God. There's somewhere. We are sick. Now the question is, what am I going to do about this? The answer is, there's a man in the middle of the crowd. He's your answer. Amen? So this woman needs help. She needs to go to Jesus. And the little girl needs help. And Jesus needs to get to her. And one more thing I want to say. I've got a couple more minutes. I wanted to see that Jesus was not going towards the woman. Do you see that? Jesus is not going after this woman. It's not because that he doesn't like her. It's not that he doesn't want to help her. He does. That's how she was healed. But the only thing is, Jesus was not going towards the woman. Where is he going? He is going towards the child. Amen? He is focused on reaching the child. And he's telling the older generation, I know you're having trouble. Emotional, relationship, or financial, or physical sickness, whatever it is. And you know how to get me, how to find me. Because you have been walking with me, you know how, what I can do in your life. So all you need to do is find me, look for me, and press on and come to me. And your healing is waiting for you. Amen? Amen? My message tonight is this. Like, not like many people saying, God doesn't care about the older generation anymore. Jesus doesn't care about older, you are not, you're gone, you are done, you are finished. God is going after the new generation, younger generation. But that's not my message. My message is God, Jesus cares both the generations. Amen? The only difference is, he is going towards the generation that needs him so badly. He's going towards the generation that is dead. You know, the whole society, everybody is saying, it's finished, it's too late, she's dead, she's good for nothing, and nothing can be done to this person. But Jesus is saying, she's not dead, but she's sleeping. Amen? Jesus has got more hope for your children. He has got more hope for the young generation. When you and I give up on them, Jesus Christ is saying to us tonight, she is not dead, but she is sleeping. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I'm in, the, I'm in the pathway. I'm on my way to go and touch her because I'm going to change her life. I'm going to set her free. And he holds her hand and he says, Talita kumi. And he says, little girl, time for you to rise up. I believe in these last days, my Lord Jesus Christ is going to touch this young generation. 
He's going to touch your children. He's going to touch your grandchildren. He's going to touch the, these teenagers. He's going to touch these young people. And he's going to go and touch them and reach them and say, you are not finished. Don't believe what they've got to say. But I have got a plan. I have got a hope for you. I believe in you. And I want to take your life and use you for my glory. And he's looking at the child and he said, Talita kumi. Get up. Amen. I believe in these last days. The last revival before the curtain will come down is not going to be done through the older people. But God is going to raise up a powerful army of young people who will be rising up to do great things and great exploits for Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, and what about the older generation? Well, whatever maybe you are struggling with your life today, all you need to do is press on. He's there. He's not saying, don't come to me. He's saying, press on. I'm here. All you need is to touch the hem of my garment. You will go home set free. I believe that with all my heart. Tonight, you will reach out and touch him. I promise you that you will go home set free. Emotionally set free. You know, your relationship put together. Even your financial business put together. You know, your physical healing coming upon you. Amen. And believe with all my heart, with all your heart, that God is going to touch your kids. No matter how they are, no matter where they are struggling with, don't you worry about them. God has a plan. Jesus will look at them and say, Talitha coming. Amen? Close your eyes with me. Let's pray. I just ask you a simple question. You know, are you struggling with your life like that woman? Not may not be a physical problem, but emotional and a relationship or a financial or even your walk with God. If you're struggling in your life and if you want to be set free today, would you please raise your hand quickly so that I can pray with you. Raise your hand. Uh, please, thank you. Thank you. Keep the hands up, please. Because may the Lord touch you and set you free today. Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. Whatever may be the problem they are fighting in their life, may the Lord touch them, Lord, and, and heal them and set them free, Lord. The problems will be solved. Their life will be set free. May God's name will be glorified. And we thank you for the message, knowing that we have got hope for our children. Lord, we believe that you're going to do marvelous things through their lives, Lord. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank, you, Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.